0: You are now tuned into Poppy Chulo Radio. Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas! You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio. Your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews.
1: Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible.
0: The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. Storybook. Because the first
1: step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible.
2: Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppychuloRadio.com original series, Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, December eighteenth, twenty seventeen, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruus. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-host, Jenna Pace.
1: Hi.
2: Hi. Vinny Hatcher.
3: Hello, housekeeping me fluff pillow.
2: No tip. (laughs) Katie.
4: Hi, guys. Can't wait to talk about the episode with you.
2: And uh, we all took a road trip to San Francisco to pick up Heather Bishop.
5: Hey, guys. I'm glad to be back.
2: Welcome back. I feel like you. We need, welcome uh, oh, thank welcome you. Cotter, welcome Cotter, welcome back Cotter in the background or something.
3: <laughs> hey, this is my first experience with all of you together.
6: No, yeah, yeah, this, this is going to be great. great. True. Four other people.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Watch out for Jenna. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
5: <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh. Is she the 8th oh. witch? Oh my she God. is.
4: We've unlocked a conspiracy. <laughs> That's crazy.
3: Let's
2: jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 10, which was titled The Eighth Witch and aired December 15th, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. When Drizella threatens the realm with a dark curse, Henry and Ella take extreme actions to protect Lucy and the others, and Regina is forced into making an unimaginable choice. In Hyperion Heights, Ronnie recruits Henry to travel to San Francisco to search for her sister, but when he learns Lucy has fallen unconscious, Henry rushes to be by her side. Meanwhile, Gothel earns the trust of Anastasia, and the consequences of their budding relationship could prove to be fatal all right let's check in on the ratings for season 7 episode 10 the mid-season finale of once upon a time it was viewed by 2.34 million total viewers with a 0.5 in the demo it dipped in the total audience but it remained steady in the demo steady is good Alright, I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and uh, since she was gone for a minute, but she's back again with the jump off, let's start off with Heather.
5: Uh, Thank you. Um, So, I actually was really impressed with this episode. I I had to kind of binge watch all of them together because there was such a big gap in between, and I had a few problems with it which uh, we'll get into as we do as we do the review of it but i was really impressed with it as a season ender or as mid-season finale i liked it it left a very good cliffhanger it built appropriately i i really i really enjoyed this episode as a whole
2: all right although heather was ending the season already good grief
5: <laughs> trying to no i'm just kidding
2: oh my <laughs> hashtag sabotage vinnie what about you what did you think of the eighth witch and are you the 8th well,
3: witch? I'll get you, my pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I
2: like it. Well, Although, I do all... enjoy your Zelina.
3: <laughs> well, darling. No, I, speaking of, obviously, huge Zelina fanboy, and I was so, so happy to see her back. I've been like so sad that she has not been part of the season now that she's back. I'm extremely excited. Overall, I was pleased with the episode. I, as with Heather, I had my own few... Issues that I experienced with it Um, But no, I I think going into A two to three month hiatus It gave us some closure While at the same time opening up Potential plot points that I did not see coming And I'm really excited to see Where these branches go in the secret garden
2: I see what you did there And listeners, (laughs) put a bookmark in this Because Vinny will start off saying lovely things And then he'll give it a six at the end I'm just saying (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, don't fall for, like, you know, the, the whipped cream with, like, the, the marshmallows on top. I'm just saying.
3: See, I just try not to diet because if I go too further, then I'll start, like, nitpicking right off the bat. I'm kind of like the episode. I start off, and then I end with something big.
2: <laughs> All right. Be careful. We'll throw you into a well. I'm just saying.
6: Ooh. Oh.
2: Yes. Jenna Pace.
6: Um, I thought this was a really fun episode. I think that it's kind of doing things that the show hasn't really done before. It set up some really good conflicts. As Heather said, it ended on a really good cliffhanger that that leaves a lot to be built up for the next half season. It's definitely not without its problems, but I guess we'll get to it when we get to it. But overall, I had a lot of fun, and it was great to see Zelina again. It was great to see her purse, her cursed personality.
3: Her purse, Katie. I think
6: your, I think your word <laughs> garbling is still affecting. Me. I,
3: if we saw I'd her, Katie, X rating.
6: Katie,
4: I know. I'm sorry. I passed it on to you. I know.
2: Jenna uh, was I staring won't. at Zelina's purse. <laughs> what?
6: Anyways, um, yeah, I just had a ton of fun.
2: Yes, so did we, with that initial reaction. That was amazing. <laughs> Heather, did you miss us?
5: I did. It's been a long few weeks, so I have really missed being here and talking about the show with somebody. Instead Aww. of just watching it and talking to myself.
3: We miss Said you it. too. That's what I have.
5: We miss you too. Aww. Yes.
3: Aww. So, if I try to talk about it with my boyfriend, he just looks at me and goes, oh, It's not over yet.
5: Same. <laughs>
2: Same. Sounds like someone's co-mod.
6: My mom barely
2: the series. Yes. Speaking of co mods, Katie, what did you think of this episode? <laughs> Hashtag
1: shade. Uh, uh, but not wow. at Katie.
4: <laughs> I I don't know. I I liked this episode. I will say that it was a good mid season finale. I I it kind of it was hard for me to get into it. I don't know why. I think the pacing was really weird in this episode to me, and that's what threw me off. Yes. Yes, okay. Yes, I'm not off thinking that.
3: That was me being the voice in your head agreeing.
4: Yes. It really threw me off, and I think that's why it took me a little bit to get into the episode. But I will say that I did enjoy it, and I will say in summer that I was not expecting at all. like I had no theories that... I heard no theories that would have led to this, and it got dark really fast, like really quick, but it was very interesting, so it's going to be interesting to talk more about it in detail.
2: Katie, I have no idea what any of that means. Is this your first lukewarm
3: review?
4: Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. We had to talk about in detail.
3: See, that's why mine sometimes changes.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, I will say that I liked it. I did like it, and I, it made me excited to see what's coming up next. But I don't know. I really think my main issue was pacing. Okay. It just threw me off.
2: Katie, I don't know why. Depending on uh, the rating you give this episode, you might have to <laughs> give up your Tumblr site to someone else.
4: Dang it! It's- It's not going to be good.
2: I know. You can gift it uh, via the Secret Santa that you're not doing this year because somebody was lazy.
6: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Growing shade.
2: I know, right? (laughs) Oh, well, we're going to be off for a couple months. Might as well uh, leave the listeners with shade that they can lay under.
3: Season finale. Will they all come back? (laughs) Boom, boom, (laughs) boom.
2: Alright, I liked the episode, I agree, it had things stuff, mostly with the flashback, in in my opinion. I don't know if that's where you all were thinking, but I, I guess we'll get into that in a moment. I thought the flashback, it was a lot. We got a lot of exposition in the flashbacks. We got a lot of answers to things that we needed to know, I think we got answers to things that we didn't really know that we really wanted to know, and Mm -hmm. we also were left with a lot of questions like why is rumple juicy Woo! why does elena have magic um why eight years why the weird effects for the witches that i didn't like um yeah so it left me with a lot of questions at least, so uh, we're going to get into all of it. But for the most part, I did enjoy it, in particular, like the present day stuff. I thought that was probably the strongest, although I have no idea where they're going and I have no idea what's next. I, I mean, even watching the promo for the next episode, I was very confused. Yeah, so we have a lot to discuss, but before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time, here's our announcer with a few special announcements.
1: Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com/slash/podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you.
0: This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. Poppychularadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help.
2: Thanks, announcer. All right, let's get into it. And a quick shout-out to the opening title card, which featured the Trans-America Pyramid from San Francisco, which we saw briefly Mm. in the episode, and... (laughs) I really don't understand why that was, <laughs> like, the thing that they decided to go with. I guess because of what? Zelina, but, like, a broom would have been more interesting. Mm-hmm. Or a hat. of this. Something. Like, a hat on the O or something. Yeah. Or maybe make, yeah. like, the, I don't know, make Once Upon a Time in green. Like, I just, I'm like, that's really it's what you went weird. with?
4: Yeah. It's kind of weird. We weren't,
2: I don't know. I didn't even Usually, really know like, what that have... was.
4: Yeah, because I've never I been to San like Francisco,
2: but like I noticed of... it when they panned in the background and I'm like, oh, that's what that is. So I'm like, does Alina yeah. work there? But no. OK,
4: no, I feel like most of their uh title cards are I, there's really like none that I didn't really dislike. But this one was so out there. It was just weird. I don't understand why they did it.
3: I had to Google it. <laughs> and don't I've been to San to Francisco. I totally
5: forgot it. I, I didn't realize that's what that was. Until there go, go
4: Opened. We opened. Opened your mind. Yes. We we don't even know what it
5: means. I, <laughs> I feel educated now, though. There
2: you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's some. So let's start off in the past, as we usually do, in the magical forest, and. Uh, we are sort of thrust into a different time because we've been seeing everything sort of like deeper in the past. Like when Ella and Henry first met, we are now to the point to where Henry and Ella, I'm assuming got married. I mean, you don't have to, I mean, you know, you can have, you know, babies with anybody you want to, but um, it is once upon a time, and it is kind of like the whole fairy tale thing. So I'm assuming that they're married, and they had a kid, and that kid obviously is Lucy. And Drizella comes in, and she does her best Maleficent, you know, basically telling them that in eight years, a prophecy and, and a curse and that kind of thing. Katie, what did you think of the opening scene with uh, Drizella being turned into stone?
4: Um, honestly, it didn't really, well, I didn't leave a huge, I think this is where the pacing started to get weird to me, I guess. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to even think about the scene right now, and I can't picture, like, it wasn't it's because you, Is it
2: because you have General Leia on your brain? I do.
4: I do. <laughs> I'm... Honestly, pick someone else because I honestly don't don't know what to say about this. Katie's on the Star Wars well. high,
2: listeners. I
4: am. I really am. I don't remember the scene that well. Like, I remember when she turned to stone. I was like, okay, she's stone now. Like, I wasn't expecting that, but <laughs> didn't leave a huge impact on me, obviously. <laughs>
3: Well, I think that right there kind of goes right into my my feeling of it, because it was really forgettable. It was not a pivotal plot turner. It actually felt kind of cheap. Like, it was just a quick way of getting Drizella out of the picture so they could justify Lucy being as old as she is.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think so as well. I was actually going to ask that, so that's a great point, Vinny. I feel like her being turned into stone was basically like a plot convenience type of thing because mm-hmm. yeah. they set up a flashback not a flashback I guess a flash forward in the season 6 two hour finale where we see Lucy at an advanced age at, I guess now we know she's 8 years old and they had to figure out some way to I guess stall whatever Drizella was doing because she could have easily had done like the curse at that point you know what I'm saying
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah exactly
3: mm-hmm. it just really there was I think this is pacing was a huge issue with this episode you yeah. like has already been mentioned and I think this was kind of the tipping point for when the pacing just took off it was like watching a race where one cart's going at a slow steady pace and the flashbacks were like drunk driving spiraling out of control down the lane
4: mm-hmm, exactly it just it w- it was so weird. I guess I don't know. But,
3: but I, I mean, will I say, think it
2: s- yeah, Hold it Lady Tremaine was on their side. Yeah, Rapunzel, That's true. R- Virginia.
3: Yeah, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I. You know, the funny thing, Jeff, is when she popped out of that one scene at the beginning. I was like, oh god, damn it, Jeff's gonna get to do another. I'm right, dance. <laughs>
2: I was but because it's the holidays I was feeling nice and so I, I was not gonna pat myself on the back but you just did so I appreciate I, it.
3: But you know, I will give her credit. I absolutely did not expect that and I just loved when she like swept in with her cane and was like, Oh, with a drop of my blood dear I know. I'm like, she's,
2: okay. she's such a good bitch when yes. she's like on our side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like it. Because she gives also...
3: me callbacks to Alexis on dynasty.
2: Just a little bit. Shout out to <laughs> Nicolette Sheridan. We'll see how you do.
3: Right. big shoes
2: to fill. <laughs> yes, she can fill them. I'll she was good on desperate housewives. I also point Housewife. out yeah. that
4: I really, or the scene where Lucy was—I mean, that scene in particular with Lucy blowing out the candles was really cute. Like with Regina, like being like, "Oh, that's my job. I can do that." And she like lights. Like it was really cute. I will say that.
2: Yes, we'll get into that. Was that, a really that cute scene. Right now, because we flash forward eight years. It's Lucy's birthday and uh, all of a sudden Gothel arrives uh, along with a coven of witches and they break Drizella free from the stone and basically they threaten and warn, you know, the the, the curse is coming the prophecy and all this kind of thing Jenna let's get into this scene and, and tell me what you thought of it and did you like the effect Of Gothel. We've seen it a couple times. I'll be honest. I don't like it. I like when people arrive in puffs of smoke. And the whole what they do with Gothel. It seems a little cheap. Because it's kind of like the whole you know. They're not (laughs) there. They freeze camera. The actor gets into frame. And then they start recording again. And then they're there. You know what I'm saying? Like it just. I hate that so much. I really dislike that effect. Completely, um, actually, And they use I'm it several times in the episode.
6: I'm actually kind of the opposite. I kind of liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was really. It was spooky. It was eerie. It was a. I mean, honestly, as far as effects goes, yeah, of course they have the classic smoke, but this is supposed to be kind of a different kind of villain. It's supposed to be a bit of a a swerve from what we expect. So I kind of like how how their their introduction was a little bit unexpected. Um, my question is, why did they keep the Drizella statue? In the uh, in the the garden also oh, right.
2: I'm gonna assume to watch it to make sure like say, her fingers don't start moving question. I was like but
6: here's the thing why Jeff, the heck like they don't around. Do anything, they don't do anything to like shield it or like do anything to look at it it's just like chilling there and nobody's paying attention to it it's a and really ugly
2: cost- statue
6: they I mean, just <laughs> felt bad <They> were <laughs> but like, not to mention...
3: She was clean. I'm sorry, but if that bitch was doing all she did, I would have let the bird shit on her and not clean her up. And she <laughs> yeah. was in just as good a shape as she was, and if I remember correctly, that was an open courtyard.
6: It was. Yeah. Um.
2: Yeah. Love is an open door. <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh
1: my gosh.
6: I also wanted to get into this a little earlier, but um, back to like the whole making her a statue thing. I don't necessarily mind plot conveniences, but they didn't do anything exactly in terms of making it so they actually took the eight years seriously. And Regina, who, like, knows, like, the importance of the prep time before these curses and prophecies come true, you would think that they'd at least be like, there are guards and stuff, they're in a castle, they have magic users, why is there not, like, a bit more of a security bump? Why aren't they taking this a little bit more seriously? Gothel's still on the loose. She so I little, just found that, that a little... Is. That I find very annoying, because it's, like, it proves that they didn't do anything to take advantage of this time, and considering that we're with characters who have been through this before, a little bit smart, and, like, are smarter to see them, like, just not do anything for it, I felt that that was kind of a weak point, and and not, and just to have her open out in the courtyard while they're, while they're opening gifts, it's just, they're just tempting fate. It's just...
3: It's on so the prophesied day that she was to come, you know, do the curse.
6: <laughs> it was. Me. I know. I was like, "What?"
5: <laughs> the party was actually for her. For her back. Yeah, you guys yeah. Didn't see that part? It was on the cake.
2: <laughs> Not gonna lie, the cake looked good. <laughs> Welcome, back, Welcome back, Drizzilla. <laughs> the cake looked <laughs> good. I'm just saying, I like it. It
5: did. Not gonna
6: True that. It was really
2: good desserts this season. I'm just saying, the beignets, that. Me one. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't have eaten it because she made it, but like the Mother Gothel cake, like everything is looking really good this season. Mm -hmm. Jenna,
3: you make a really good point because all of that, and I'll throw in there also if they were that lax on security, how were they smart enough to pinpoint the small circle and know that Drizella would just randomly appear in that one exact spot? To Mm -hmm. be true.
6: Exactly,
5: mm-hmm. and also like, what about the fact that if they get to make in season eight, Drizella has a whole eight years of plot that she can't—they can't use her for anymore. So yep. any story that happens for Drizella here on out has to go either—it oh, has yeah. to go before that eight years. There's yep. no progress in there. I didn't even so think about that. That's right. They kind of kill her, her anyway. character a little. No, you think so?
3: No, I don't. Know. Just, with her.
2: I just said that to Pe- be People don't really die
6: here. Nah, on TV, no one's dead forever, except for Neil. He's gone. Except for Neil. Sadness. Sorry.
2: Not yeah. really. Not for me.
6: Sorry to bring but it down. But you can there. be
2: sad.
3: <laughs> He's hunting other things these days. <laughs> yes. Oh wait, sorry. I was making a hunter reference, and we were talking about Neil. I'm brain dead. Forgive <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> cuz I was going to say something about the hatter and the huntsman and I then I decided not to but then I said the joke anyway. Deprogrammed.
2: <laughs> yes. Somebody uh... out there understood it, just not us. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is going to be directly for Vinny because Ooh. he loves her. So Regina needs help and here's the where I got confused. Did she go to another realm? Is oh she God, still in the magical forest? Why is she here? She has magic. She was invited by a coven <laughs> of witches. We meet a twenty-five year old Robin. What's going on? Break this down. Discuss everything, <laughs> Zelina, Regina, and Robin.
3: You know, I this was an ongoing problem with this episode was which forest are like literally <laughs> yeah. I, 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 magical, enchanted, magic chanted. I, I don't know. I, I was so happy for Zelina to come back. To be honest with you, when I, when I knew she was going to go after Zelina in the, the past, I expected her to go back to storybook. I expected us to have like another cute little, you know, cameo of the town and her going back and being like, sis, I need help. And Maybe something happened to explain her getting her magic and then they poofed to the magical forest. Instead we get no intro, we get no backstory, but suddenly Zelina is at what first looked like a fairy tale retirement home because it was called Emerald Acres. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I you sort know, of I was... took it like Green Acres in a yeah. sense. <laughs> which but, I yeah. didn't mind, but it was kind of weird. I guess the whole Wizard of Oz thing with the farm and yeah. she had the farmhouse and story brook so i guess she has a house wherever the hell she is Mm -hmm.
3: this was a you know this was just another example of the major problem that i had with this episode that we talked about not only the pacing but lack of exposition for some of the things that happened because she gets this farm and as soon as i saw the name obviously i knew you know because first i thought she was about to walk through a portal and then the farm shows up and then robin shows up and then there's zelena and uh I was like, okay, so she must be in the Enchanted Forest. Apparently, Zelina went to that bean vending machine and got her own portal and went to their old place. But then, as the episode progressed and we found out about a certain romantic relationship, that obviously put things into perspective that Zelina jumped on the bandwagon with her sister and apparently at some point emigrated to the magical forest (laughs) and (laughs) is raising her (laughs) daughter there, which is very contradictory to like everything that I would think Zelina would kind of want to do because I would think you'd want to raise the child of the man who he almost went with your sister but didn't because he died I'd want to raise that child where the father had grown up so I would have you know I I, maybe that's just me being overly optimistic but I would have thought that gone back to the enchanted forest uh but I sat at belief by saying Zelina and her sister were in a better place at the end of season six, and at some point in the past eight years, she decided to come join that forest and be there as Aunt Zelina and Mommy Zelina, you know, whatever. But what was really interesting is we get no explanation of how suddenly Zelina got her magic back, so I'm going to Mm -hmm. guess that there is an ice cream parlor that she went and she ordered, give me my magic back chocolate chip, and... She has her powers back. <laughs> I don't know. I, as much as I am happy to see her back with power, I literally let out the f word at the top of my lungs when I saw her. You know, later in the episode, just flick her wrist and something fly into it. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. I want to know how this happened. I want to know right now. And <laughs> don't. And so I was very disappointed. It felt like we want to bring Rebecca Mader back. We're going to come up with this really shoddy exposition for her to be here, and she's magically going to be in the forest, Magic going to have her powers back, so she's up as a Regina, and roll with it. That's yeah, kind of the, only, yeah. Thing,
2: the only thing that I said to myself, I guess, to explain it away, that sort of at least made sense for now, until they explain it really, literally, on the show, is maybe because she went back to, like, the land of magic, that's why she has her magic back, because I was trying to remember, but I don't think that I think I can totally that negate work. what I just said. Because when they went into the enchanted forest, when it was all going to get destroyed in the two-hour se- season finale, she of didn't season have six, it. She didn't have magic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because she
3: sacrificed it.
2: Maybe what she did. Is maybe she relearned magic because we have learned that you can learn magic. You 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 um you aren't just born with it, you can actually learn it as well.
3: Either that maybe or that? I was thinking that maybe when she sacrificed her power, it was just her power at that time, and that over the course of eight because you pointed this out when I Facebooked you and I was like, She's got her powers back. Eight years is a long time. Maybe yeah. Over that time, she just kind of regenerated, like a rechargeable battery? Well, something that they did not
2: include in uh, the uh, Season 6 finale that Katie reported on in a previous spoiler section, and as I'm starting to describe this, Katie's going to be like, oh yeah, I remember that. (laughs) But uh, when they were doing the the ending scenes, where we see sort of our characters get their happy endings, there was Mm -hmm. a scene shot on the streets of Storybrooke, with Zelina and Baby Robin, and she mm-hmm. magics a stuffed uh monkey,
3: yeah. Interesting,
2: so yeah, I think they were headed in that route, headed uh, to that route, or whatever the hell, but um, they just didn't get there because they didn't include it, which um, you know, probably it was just for time reasons, since you know, even though Zelina was a series regular at the time, she wasn't one of the originals, and they seemed to like focus specifically on the originals during that happy ending thing that they did at the very end of uh, the season finale so maybe she developed them again i do hope kind of like they like expositioned away why robin is 25 like oh you know realms and i'm you know i'm not here to talk about uh you know how time works and that kind of thing as long as they <laughs> do that kind of stuff, I'm kind of cool with the timey whiminess of the whole thing. Like, I'm here for the ride. Let's go with it. I won't necessarily think about how she's 25 and that kind of thing. You know, I maybe you traveled I mean, realms, and <clears throat> I'm cool right. with yeah, that. Yeah, that
5: bothered me a lot.
2: Well, I, yeah, I was, was a confusing. little cool. I was okay with that. Just because, you know, if you travel realms, like, I'm, I'm more okay with that than... Zelina having magic again. Like, they need to have some sort of explanation, whether it's in the present or in a flashback where, like, oh, you know, I got my powers back because of this.
3: Well, I have an idea, actually. Ooh, tell us. If you think about it, so when Henry left, he was about 18. He went into Cinderella's realm, the Magical Forest, and he spent the next however many years getting to the age he is now. After which, he marries Cinderella, and then eight more years later, Lucy is eight years old. So technically, if Robin was born before Henry left, then we have all of the years that Henry was growing up into the age that he is now, which I'm assuming is like late 20s, early 30s, for Robin to have grown up. And she was born way before Lucy, if that makes sense.
5: Yeah, but then that would only be... That would only put her at, like, maybe 20 years, possibly. And then the whole comment on she's growing up fast, oh, but not in our realm. So does time move slower in the magical forest as opposed to, like, Storybrooke or the enchanted
3: forest? I think it does. And that's how they're explaining it? Because Henry got old, and that's how they justified (laughs) having the new grown-up version of him is he... It moves faster in... Compared to the two realms, like the Storybrooke realm, if you go to the magical realm and you spend twenty years in the storm, not that much time has passed because that's how they justified Regina not being an old crone or you know being a different actress and that's Henry true. still told it, yeah.
5: I don't know. I feel like they're just throwing these time things in because they ran into um, timeline issues uh, right. with the original series, and they're like, "We're not going to get caught this time." No, no, <laughs> time is irrelevant. That that actually bothers me more than Zelina having magic. Because I feel like... Because I, I did relate back to the uh, cutscene from the end of season 6. So I was like, oh, well, you know, they can explain that. That'll be fine. But the timeline, I'm like, hmm.
3: I don't know how I feel about that. Just the yet. The timeline's a hot mess. Yeah, I used to
2: care mm-hmm. more about the timeline during like, seasons 1 through 6. Just because they like made... Like, effort in trying to explain the timeline, especially when the showrunners would do interviews and that kind of thing. I'm a little bit more lax with it just because they've kind of said, you know, time moves differently. And I'm like, okay, well, then time moves differently. So I'm okay with it. We'll go with that. It's like
3: someone telling a story at a party and progressively getting drunker (laughs) (laughs) as the story goes on. And they just start (laughs) confusing everything. Yes.
2: Yes. I like it. Well, there you go. Okay, so let's discuss Juicy Rumpelstiltskin. Woo! Yes, woo! Oh. Katie, can I get a woo? <laughs> it is the holiday season. Woo! Thank you. Katie hardly you ever partakes in the woos, but I... I do. <laughs> you don't, you should say.
4: <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I don't know what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. There you go, I don't. Oh my gosh. You got
2: woos blues. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jenna, this is for you. Okay. stiltskin. he's back at his juiciest. Woo, woo. What's going woo. on with that? Oh, and what do you think happened to Rumpel? He's spinning again. He's a speckliest, and, and you know, and also uh, Rumpel tells Wishhook that he can't stop the curse, but he can give him a gift that will allow Wish Hook and Alice to remain, to maintain, I should say, their familial bond. It's a white elephant. And the reason why he's doing this, in particular, is because of Alice. And we get a little exposition. There was a teeny tiny little line, if you weren't listening, then you didn't pick up on it. But Alice says that the reason why she's with Rumple is because Rumple has done something for her... And uh, she feels like she owes him. So, it's kind of a lot to break down. We got a lot of information in that teeny tiny scene. But what did you think of Wish Hook, Rumpel, and Alice?
6: Okay, so I actually... I'm so glad you told me this because I actually have a theory about why Rumple is back to being scaly, and it coordinates to why Alice is with him. So, um, I think you noticed... Millie, juicy. Juicy. Woo! Juicy. Woo. Um, yes. So... During season five, the only dark ones who were never juicy woo woo uh, I love were it. Emma and woo. Lily, and that's because they became dark ones not by killing people. And I think that and because when Rumple kind of had his dark one reset, he didn't become juicy again. Woo woo, um,
2: woo. are <laughs> so stupid. I love it. He did juicy
6: again because <laughs> um, we saw him in the in the enchanted and eventual Magical forest. I think he became scaly again because. Something happened with Alice where he was taking her or they were interacting and he killed for her and that reset his scales and that's also why she feels that bond to him because he kind of took the like she knows she's probably the first one to know that he's trying to find the guardian to give his dark magic and stuff and she's the person that he used dark magic on so because of that bond she feels inclined to stay by his side. So that's what I think, and I think that I've got a good evidence to support it, and I think when we finally see that, because I definitely think we're going to see that in um, the upcoming half-season, like, the why that is, that's going to be the ultimate reason. Um, Jenna Pace,
2: you're on a roll. Yeah!
6: Um, yeah, because I, cause I've i been thinking about that since, like, season five, like, why Emma and Killian were not, weren't so juicy. Woo! And now... And like it and now that Rumple's there, it kinda makes sense because like he had a Dark One reset, so all the times that he was in the Enchanted Forest and looked like himself, he was normal looking. Um so
2: normal looking.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well as normal as Rumple can be.
2: <laughs> oh, that anyway, was shady.
6: I, I'm kidding. I, I love Rumple, and I honestly think rubber Crawl's is rather cute. Anyway, Could I
3: posit I a, ship an it. opposing theory?
6: Oh, go for it.
3: Because I, I, I can't be 100% sure, but this is the first time that I've kind of hinted at something in the past. If you guys remember, I had a theory a few episodes ago about Rumple and the Dark One curse and True Love's kiss about his face started changing when Belle kissed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there was a very specific line in this episode that actually answered why Rumple was juice again. So he says to Wish Hook, I filed gold away in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. I think, and the evidence that I saw in this episode kind of leads me to believe that I may potentially be right, that he was juicy again because of the oncoming curse and loss of his memories into a cursed persona, Rumpel is a man that has backup plans, backup plans inside of backup plans inside of backup plans inside of backup plans. And so while he knew he could potentially count on someone hero-wise to break the curse or persevere, he watches out for number one. So what he did was put his personality of Mr. Gold and, you know, everything that Mr. Gold was involving Belle, the time in Storybrook and Olive behind a kind of protective, deeply woven mental barrier and allow the Dark One curse to consume him externally and mentally kind of like how people keep pockets in their mind mentally if they're really mentally strong to resist things like hypnotism and stuff like that because he specifically says i filed gold away in my mind and so by Do doing not so to the
2: man behind the curtain
3: <laughs> exactly he was creating a failsafe for after the curse and that's why because everything that he personally developing was mr gold was locked away it allowed his juiciness to flow. Woo.
2: Woo. Woo. I like it.
6: I do too.
5: I don't know. I'm kind of with Jenna's original.
2: Oh, alright. We're oh, splitting up into alliances. I like woo. that too.
5: I don't want him to go back in on anything that... On any kind of character development we've seen in Season 6. Because like... Or Season 7. Any step back I feel like would just and the character tumbling back down. You know what I mean? Because he's been through so much throughout the seasons. I don't want there to be a slip-up. It needs to be something he did for Alice to kind of sacrifice his movement forward in finding the Guardian. I feel like that would make him who he is as a character.
3: Yeah, I don't think he would slip back. I think it was just like a temporary... That's my hypothesis. It was just a temporary precaution to allow him to... like. Because even if you know he went... Glittery again, he still maintained an element of goodness by helping the man who may not be the same one, but was still his enemy. And that's fair. Yeah, so I, I think it was just kind of going into the rumple equivalent of a bomb shelter.
5: So so not taking on the dark one, as in with all of the evil and all exactly. of that. Exactly. Just as a temporary bomb shelter, like you said. Okay.
2: Yeah,
5: I could see hmm. that. Hey, I still hey, like Jim's hey. better. I'm sorry, Vinny.
3: Oh, no, oh, that's no. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Well, damn. All right. Alliances have formed. I like it. So let's get into this since we're already discussing Alice. So throughout the episode, we've gotten little romantical hints. We have Robin, who's like, you know, I, I need to find, I need to warn, and then dot, dot, dot. And then we've got uh, Alice with "Can you get this to dot dot dot?" And it's a little um, card that's got "My love." I'm like, really? Are y'all trying to keep it this vague? I was like, <laughs> y'all are working my nerves because it's obvious. And so, then, let's see. And oh, oh, we also got uh, Zelina earlier talking about young love and that kind of stuff. And then we see at the end. That Robin, Selina's daughter, and Alice, Wishhook's Hook's daughter, are in love. And they get a big-ass kiss as the curse uh, arrives. What did uh, we think of uh, Robin and Alice? Heather?
5: This is so much better than Ruby Slippers. <laughs> because there's actual development. Instead of just throwing it all together in
6: one.
2: What is their uh, ship I- name?
6: Oh, I don't know. Oh, there's a few ones going around. Um, Curious Archer's one. Wonder Arrow is another. Bunny Hood is one. I'm rather fond of Curious Archer. Um, Bunny Hood? Just Um, one, my heart. (laughs) That is, that's it for me. White
5: Hood? Bunny Archer. I like that one. Ooh. That sounds a little ferocious. Ooh. Well,
6: I'm a rather ferocious girl, and I mean... I mean, Robin shot her aunt between her fingers. <laughs> so they are rather ferocious. That's fair.
3: <laughs> I um, would call them Outlaw Wonder.
6: I think Outlaw's Robin's thing, though. Outlaw
3: Queen Robin's was. Team. I would only recycle it because she's his daughter.
6: Fair enough. And she yeah. kind
2: of is Robin Hoodish, if you think about it.
3: Down to like the female,
2: Robin Hoodish, yeah.
4: It's like, did you guys ever watch that Disney movie? What was that? The.
3: Princess Princess of Thieves with Kira Knightley as his daughter. I love that movie. (laughs) It's so bad, but so good.
4: It's like that. Because wasn't she like Robin Hood's daughter or something like that? Yeah,
3: she was his daughter. She had to like save everyone from someone else from Nottingham, I think.
4: Yeah, so this is like that. It's uh, Robin Hood's daughter. So there you go.
2: (laughs) I don't approve. But um moving Whatever. on Heather continue please <laughs> right. save us from Katie
5: <laughs> Whatever uh, So I I actually think I'm going to like Bunny Hood um which is what I'm calling them from now on that's not changing Um they actually had a little bit uh you know there's there's tension between them there's an actual story happening this time So I think I'm going to like it I I'm, I don't want to put out any judgments on characters that haven't fully had the relationship explained yet so but so far i'm i enjoy them i also like the differences between like hoods and Zelina's parenting because um when Zelina was explaining it to regina about robin has this other person in her life um is like yeah you know young love and then you go over to Hook talking to Alice, and he's like, no, true love is the thing, and it's the most powerful. And it's like, Hook is so intense and passionate, and is like, oh, yes, young love. I really like that. That was my big takeaway from uh, the two of them. I don't know why. That's just why. They're so supportive of their lesbian daughters. <laughs> they are. All- <laughs> Look at them.
2: I like it. I ship them. They were adorable. I could do it so, okay, so as uh, the curse is you know, I guess they're getting ready for it, they are our good our good guys are preparing for it, and this is where I got confused because they're in the magical forest, but then Henry says this weird ass line that I have no idea what it means, he's like. Here we are, you know, in the remnants of the enchanted
6: forest. What does that mean? Maybe it's See, like the enchanted oh. forest was destroyed after the first curse so they traversed realms. Well, no, cuz
2: the it was uh, still alive after the first curse. We've been there several times. Maybe after know, but- the enchant maybe after it was destroyed because of the black fairy? Oh, but no, what? because then we saw it all being restored.
5: Yeah. I mean, technically, we call it the remnants after the first curse because everything was still pretty much, I like, we've been back, but everything was kind of chaotic and wild when we went back. So maybe that's what he meant.
3: Yeah. And how many of those damn trees are there? True. True. That bothered me. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Every time, like, we've had a wardrobe discussed, because didn't they also at some point want to create something else from that tree? Like, it's... Maybe that tree got restored when they restored the enchanted realm. And this is where it's like, which realm are we in? Like, they hopping realms so fast. There, there has to be like a dispensary for beans. I swear. Maybe
5: there's more beans in the magical forest. Maybe. Maybe. That's how I've been rationalizing to myself. Beans, yeah. beans,
2: the musical fruit.
5: That and the are <laughs> they're, they're rings from Doctor Strange. I know, Th- right? Exactly. Thank you,
3: Jeff. Now I'm thinking of people farting in randomly traveling dimensions.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so they, there's this tree. It's the same one as the Enchanted Forest, the one that sent Emma, and that kind of thing. And so they're planning on using that to send uh, Lucy and Henry to the Land Without Magic, and then they will figure out a way to reunite with their family. And even Tiger Lily's there. Why... I don't know, but she was there, I guess, to bridge <laughs> something. But she was there. And I like Tiger Lily, but. Connect they didn't, the season six finale. They didn't really give her anything to do. And so. <laughs> okay, so we finally get a connection, as, as Katie was alluding to, to the season six finale. Although it was weird, because Henry started chopping at the tree during the day, <laughs> but then when his axe hit the tree, it was nighttime.
4: He's been chopping at it a while. No, he hasn't. Yeah, I mean, there it was no
2: dent. It's a magic because tree. Because it's a huge tree. <laughs> yeah. I don't buy okay, it. Exactly. it has the power. He hit that thing so you once. See it, though. And it was nighttime. And then he's getting chased. And then we get the exact scene, minus the little scene that we saw with um, Lucy and Tyra Lily. We get the exact scene of Henry being chased by something. And for the longest, I thought it was Dr. Facilier, because the same smoke was in the same way that we saw the Dr. Facilier smoke many episodes ago. But I guess that smoke was one of the witches that captured Henry. And we do see a follow-up to the little tiny scene that we saw in the season 6 finale. Where Ty is like, you know, your mom is going to know what to do. And so we see Lucy go to her mom and that kind of thing. So, this is where we get just a lot of information about this coven of eight. What did we think of uh, them going that route? Them being the writers of, like, creating this coven of eight? We only see seven, and Mm -hmm. we only see the faces of two of the seven. Uh, Obviously, later on, we learn that Regina becomes the eighth coven member, but we'll get into that in a moment. But just in general, the idea of the Coven of Eight, what did you all think? And I'll open the floor up to everyone, so whoever wants to go first.
3: I thought I got... Oh, go ahead.
4: I'm sorry, I was just saying, I thought that that, I don't know, it went in a way that I was not, like, I was... I I don't even know. This just, like, came out of nowhere. I mean, in a good way, because I think it's very interesting. But... I was not expecting this at all.
3: No, I wasn't either. Yeah. Honestly, it, I, I I was about to ask, was anyone else like as taken aback as I was? But I just remembered you said that kind of in the beginning. I think the Coven of Eight, mm-hmm. it's fresh. It's different because it's not just a poor haphazard. As much as I love them, half-ass attempted a team like the Queens of Darkness were. It's a legitimate mm-hmm. potential threat of powerful people joined together for a malefic cause and it definitely made my palate tempted for next next half of the season because we didn't Mm -hmm. see their faces so we have no idea yeah like it could be maleficent it could be madame odie it could be someone from tons of places it opens up a can of worms for us to speculate and hypothesize over the next two and a half months so i thought it was really a clever curveball
4: yeah and i mean it 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 really opens it up. I mean, I I do know a spoiler for what one of them will be, which is, (gasps) and it's very intriguing.
2: Yeah, I read that too. That was very intriguing. It's
4: very intriguing because, I mean, it's like they're going to go a very interesting route with this. So I'm really, I mean, it got dark really fast because I, I don't know, you add like Coven of Witches to something? Or a Coven of Witches? A coven to something. Of witches? Coven. I, I see I can't Is talk. Virginia
3: in this Coven?
2: <laughs> Is there a no They went from Once coven Upon a Time to Virginia. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. In a good way,
3: in my opinion. American horror story, Coven. Coven. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> I can't talk coven but you're right when you the, had a coven
3: the darkness of witches. It, this was this season has been very back and forth as far as its pacing whether it wanted to be like a callback to the previous or its own entity but they really upped the ante on the darkness and i don't want not mm-hmm. necessarily depravity but just it's it's definitely more mature and they really mm-hmm. set that bar
4: it's very mature so i mean it's just coven of witches are like, it's like a real thing. It adds like, I don't know, it adds something different to it. Because I mean, you know, we always have dealt with these um, villains who are magic users, but not, and I mean, like you were talking, we have dealt with witches teaming up the Queens of Darkness, but nothing like this. Like, this is just so intense and it's just going to be really interesting to see what the theme of next, the next half of the season is going to be.
2: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I don't know if you yeah. remember this, Katie, but many, many, many seasons ago, I did want like a team up of like, it's almost, I called them the Villains Council. And this might be the closest thing to oh, yeah. a Villains Council which I'm excited for. The only thing that I kinda don't like, just because I feel like we already have a female-heavy cast, it's like a coven of female witches. Like they specifically mm-hmm. said that it was other yep. women. That's the only thing that I that I don't like, just because in my mind, like I always saw, I guess because they introduced him, like the idea of Gothel and Facilier like working together or something like that. Not to say that they can't, but uh, he is a magical being that would have been interesting in a coven of something, but apparently the other ones are all female. So we will be introduced to other witches, maybe some that we've seen already, different iterations of them, or uh, maybe, you know, characters we have never seen before.
6: I kind of like that for the first time, we don't know who are like, usually through promotion or something, the villains are revealed promotion interviews, um, cover arts on TV guide. But for this, by virtue of them having hoods and it's a mystery, so I kind of like that we kind of have to guess our villains, and right now there's still just so there's a, so little to go on, that, and we only know three of them, and now that Ivy's kind of been deprived of her magic, that opens up the spot for maybe another witch too, so it kind of leaves it so ambiguous that we can speculate, and it's, that acts as a pretty cool cliffhanger going forward.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. If you think about it, this entire season so far has been an entire, like, red herring misdirection type of thing, because we were introduced to Victoria as the big bad, and then all of a sudden it's Ivy, and now it seems to be Mother Gothel. And then now it's like this, you know, of uh, eight witches, so... uh, They've done a really good job, in my opinion, of like psyching us out as far as who or what or, you know, where the big bads are this season, which I kind of like, to be honest. And if you think about it, They've they've done it in a really neat way where you know for several episodes we thought it was one person and then all of a sudden no it's really this person and all of a sudden no it's really this person but it kind of makes sense if you think about it the way that they've explained it at least in my opinion.
3: Well, and one thing that I really loved, which I thought was one of the top curveballs of this entire season, was you just touched on the fact that we were led to believe it was Victoria who cast the curse, and. We come full circle to that when Drizella drew that knowledge bomb in the flashback when she legitimately told Victoria, you're going to think you're the one who cast it to get Anastasia back. You're going to think this was mm-hmm. all you're doing. And I'm going to, she had a total like twirl the hair, mustache, whatever you want moment. I loved that line. Like just because now everything that Victoria did this entire season in Hyperion Heights, there's no way to know that it was her or if it was the plot or the uh the seed of the curse that Drizella crafted so cleverly
2: totally mm-hmm. and to be quite honest That's she cool. could still be cursed if you think about it
3: yeah mm-hmm. it was That's like the a curse under a curse it. yeah
2: exactly yeah. because if if i guess we're going to have to see but if my whole theory is like for real real and not just that one little scene where they used her blood magic but if she actually ended up joining like team good to stop yeah. zella then her entire actions in Hyperion Heights have been kind of questionable, just because it seems as if whether, I mean, not whether, but uh, she doesn't know it. She's under the curse, and so everything that she's been doing, everyone thinks she's the villain, but in reality, she isn't because she sort of redeemed herself in a sense i guess we're gonna have to see how ronnie not ronnie i I can't even call her ronnie anymore virginia 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 we're gonna have to (laughs) see how regina and selena react to her and if they end up using her like her help or that kind of thing in hyperion heights to see you know if they ended things on good terms In uh, the past. In Magical Forest. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. So to finish up. The flashback. We learn that Henry has been. Poisoned. We don't know what the poison is. In the beginning I was like. Is this the poisoned heart thing? It didn't really look like the poisoned heart thing. So he's poisoned. And uh, Regina. Is forced to be. The 8th witch. To uh, basically enact, well, well, let's clear this up. Regina didn't enact the curse, because I, l- I read a lot of recaps that were like Regina enacted the curse. And, you know, can you believe Regina enacted the curse? Regina did not enact the curse. Regina was was one eighth of the curse being enacted. I guess you know each witch had to have some sort of experience in something to be a part of the spell to uh, do the dark curse and they needed a witch that uh, has sacrificed uh, their uh, the thing that they love the most and obviously Regina did that when she cast the dark curse the very first time and so with regina's blood uh, the seven other witches blood they're able to create the dark curse i will say i like the effect of this dark curse because it was like what we're used to with the dark curse like the smoke but it also had fire in it which i thought was really neat and um they were sent to a land without magic uh, obviously so that uh, henry would not die so we got a lot in that scene we got a little mother Gothel being creepy with uh wish hook we learn what's going on with henry we learn uh, i guess we saw zelena using some magic and uh we saw none of the faces of the other witches so katie did you like the twist that it is henry who will die if the curse is broken and what, did, <laughs> what do you think henry is poisoned with
4: What is he poisoned with? That's a good question. I mean, I'm just going to say what I said, and I don't have any theories. Like, I'm just theoryless because I feel like they keep pulling all of these plot twists that I don't see coming from anywhere. So I I should give you some of my
2: theories and then you can just regurgitate them.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just agree with them or disagree with them. (laughs) I just. I don't know. I will say I really liked this last scene of the flashback in particular because not only was it visually really like it was I hate to say pretty because it was so dark, but it was just
2: Katie. The
4: curse was coming really, to the dark side. I <laughs> I watched Welcome. too much Star Wars today. I know, uh, right?
2: I forgot to <laughs> mention that the the symbol that we saw, the rune, I think is what they were calling it, mm-hmm. earlier in the season, is the symbol of the Covenant of yep. Eight. And the uh, yep. symbol was in the ground, that's where the blood went, and that's how the, the curse ended up happening, which I thought was a really neat mm-hmm. visual as well. Um,
4: yeah. Yeah. It was. And, I mean, it kind of brought us back to shoot was it was it the pilot or was it
2: i think it was the second episode where we saw regina the bunch of like evil people yeah it was the second episode that's right the little troll guy. i mean
4: they kind of brought us back to that scene a little bit but this was a lot darker um which is fascinating um i don't know i i love these callbacks that we get but they still change them up
6: yeah Um, although
4: drisella getting
2: tossed to the ground was fantastic
4: yeah you know that was great. that was pretty great. I liked that <laughs> um, but I like how you had Regina you and it wasn't just Regina coming into the scene. it was also you know Hook was there, Zelina was there um yeah, all these people went there and they came there together and it just shows it just Ella. shows that you know what Ella. Ella, yes, Ella too was there. That's right.
2: Jack and the all Beanstalk. The,
6: yeah, Robin. And, yeah, Jack
2: was there. Too. I know yeah, all yeah. of you saying, "I think Jack is the baby daddy. I think Jack is gonna be evil." Listen to the music in the background. Ha! I'm just saying. I actually,
6: I actually wanted to point earlier. I'm so glad that that ended on like a nice note. Like I, I know I was kind of theorizing that he's the baby daddy or is evil or something. But in hindsight, seeing the end to that potential love triangle on a good, supportive, happy note. I'm just happy to see that, and I hope things work out okay for Nick, Jacinda, and Henry in Hyperion Heights as well.
2: I agree. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that we did, because this, y'all were not the only people that were talking about that. Like, the internet was like, well, I don't think Lucy is Henry's, <laughs> let's say I don't think Lucy's Henry's <laughs> father. That would have been a plot twist. I don't think uh, Lucy <laughs> is Henry's daughter. <laughs>
3: One thing that I really loved about this scene, if you look back at our curses, like the original dark curse with Regina, yes, it came from a place of rage, but it also came from a place of great sorrow and loss. And so her curse was like dark purple and black. Mm-hmm. And the I can't remember all the curses because there's been so many, but like each of them was kind of similar colored. This curse and this entire season where it's coming from is a place of rage, a place mm-hmm. of boiling jealousy inside Drizella and that pillar of crimson scarlet yellow flame spiraling up angrily into the sky and causing a confi If you notice when it first started, unlike Regina's curse, which just billowed out like her skirts, this one like went into a very tight pillar into the sky and it didn't just start billowing out. It was still very constrained and expanding slowly, just like all of the rage that's been locked up inside Drizella all this time and I thought that was a really amazing aesthetic correlation to the character herself and where this curse was coming from
2: I like it I like it a lot and the only Mm -hmm. bit of uh, I guess plot that I did not mention was the fact that Hook ends up giving Ella the white elephant so that uh, she and Lucy can remain uh, mother and daughter when um, they are uh, transferred into the land uh, without magic. Oh, and we also saw the Rumple thing with the chipped cup. So mm-hmm. we yeah. saw that yeah. as well.
4: It was just yep. a really like the last scene was just really the last scenes were really cool because I I mean I loved the twist that Henry will die if they break the curse. I mean, it's like just that adds... Henry will die? Well, Henry, Henry will. <laughs> I like the twist. (laughs) She likes the emotional stakes. Yes, they've added good stakes to this. I mean, it's just, I like when they can add something like that to the mix of a curse, you know. It's just, it makes the stakes higher, it it gives them a mission, like, some sort of different mission to be on for the next half of the season. Like, what the heck are they going to do? They they have two options, but they have to find a third option to break this curse, and how are they going to be able to do that? So it's just kind of fascinating, and I honestly was not expecting Henry to be under the hood. I don't know. I was not expecting that, so when the, like, hood came down, there he was. I was like, oh, my, oh, crap, here we go. Here we go. Who'd you think it was going to
2: be, Mary Poppins?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, Jeff.
2: (laughs) No, but, like, seriously, they were like, oh, he's captured. Oh, but don't worry, they're just trying to, like, get us unfocused. (laughs) Let's go save him later.
4: Let's go save him later. No, I mean, I don't know. I just wasn't expecting it to go where it did with him already being poisoned or whatever they did to his heart? I assume okay, or
2: whatever nice it was. Katie, sort of.
4: Whatever. See, I I'm thought gonna it was going
3: to be Lucy. <laughs> like, not under the hood, but See? I thought... See? Oh my gosh! I, I, I didn't think she would be under the hood. I no, thought they would just but... have Henry trapped, and they were going to, like... I thought the catch of the curse was that, beast, since Lucy's, like, the one that believes and remembers that... If the curse is broken, she's it was going to be like a negative parallel to Henry in the season one. You know, he was the key to breaking it and everyone remembering, but Lucy would be the catch in this one that if it was broken, she would die. Like, when uh-huh. Drizella, like, teased Regina in that earlier episode and was like, remember what happened, all your loved ones. I thought it was going to be a plural effect, not just one person, but I guess the grief of his death would impact a lot of people, um, but yeah, I, I kind of expected the poison thing because it was kind of obvious that it was either going to be Zelina or Regina who was going to have to be part of the curse.
5: Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of obvious that it was going to be Henry. That didn't yeah. shock me at all. I mean, that it was going to be him that the curse affected. Because whenever um, Drizella was teasing Regina in that episode that you were just talking about, Vinny, yeah. the only person that she's really going to have that kind of reaction over is Henry. And Regardless of how much she cares for Jacinda and how much she cares for Lucy as a granddaughter, Henry's the person that she is most attached to in the world. He's the person she loves most. So for her to just have no, you know, want to not reverse the curse at all, it would have to be Henry. That would be the highest stakes possible for Regina, so that part
2: didn't surprise me at all, yeah, I'll be honest, and this is gonna sound very Katie of me to say because Katie said something very dark about uh, liking Henry being poisoned. But I'll be honest, i'm <laughs> I'd rather it be Henry than Regina because I was really worried for Regina uh, with the promo for the for this episode last week. so um i'm I'm glad that um, that it was Henry
3: versus Regina. I'm just saying I'm just glad Zelina didn't betray them again. Cause for a second, yeah. right? I, didn't I was what like what worried happened. she was gonna pull back the hood and be like,
5: "Oh, ha ha." <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: oh, that would have been gosh. a good
5: twist.
3: That
6: would have been crazy.
2: <laughs> Leave her alone. She's she's talked about being heroes and what heroes do. So, I I approve of her change. But anyway, let's get back to present day, and uh, I, I sh- would have said Hyperion Heights, but let's do San Francisco first, since yes. we spent like 30 minutes discussing the, um, the icon in the opening title card. <laughs> All right, so uh, Henry and Ronnie have gone to San Francisco to pick up Kelly A.K.A. Ronnie's estranged sister, who is a Soul Cycle—I uh, don't really know what their title is—Soul Cycle trainer, spin instructor, instructor? spin instructor, whatever. Yep. She does that stuff. Um, fly my monkeys, fly, beautiful. And uh, obviously, their their relationship is strained. But after a little bit of convincing, uh, Regina gets. Uh, Zelina to drink a little something, and it brings all her memories back. But Zelina is engaged, <gasps> and uh, she what? is feeling torn about the whole situation of like leaving. But she does end up deciding to go and and help her family and uh, her loved ones. So, Vinny, I know you want to break this down. So, <laughs> talk to me yes. about Kelly the soul cycle lady what did you think of it uh, a damn hippie
3: first of all I absolutely loved it just the way that they like threw in her voice before they panned over to her and then she flew back the red hair and it was just like hello cleavage <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was hilarious like Zelina doesn't I mean she wore her like Wicked Witch outfit but it, it was never really like that low cut I don't think there. it was just like we are really going to show that this is a completely different character and just the way that they made her look was just everything that Zelina is not and all I could think of was oh god she's going to be pissed when she wakes up and when I read earlier this season that Rebecca Mater said, "Just wait. You're not going to expect it. It's going to be completely hilarious. It- it's true. I wish they had not spoiled it before this episode because had I not been spoiled, I probably would have fallen on the floor laughing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just, especially when she woke up from the curse and she was like, oh God, I'm a spin instructor.' You know, <laughs> it was like her I was hell. So yeah, curse to uh, be a
1: hippie. <laughs>
3: yeah, she's like a hippie lavender table." But no, I, I feel like this was a really strong part of the episode, which a lot of the current day material was. Just the the tension between the two sisters, which goes multiple seasons, was still an undercurrent under this curse, almost to the point that I was almost worried that when she woke back up, there was going to have been some kind of another in the long series of rifts that have happened between them in the time that had passed that we hadn't seen yet. So I was actually very pleasantly surprised when she woke up from the curse and they hugged. There was no anger, there was no, you bitch, why are you here, like there was when she was under the curse. It was really nice to see the ending of season six and their relationship matriculate into this encounter, and I really think it's a great opportunity for the character of Zelina, who when we last left her off, was really finally letting go of her selfishness 100% and opening herself up to be a part of this group, continue the journey that she'd begun, to see her just pick back up and be like, oh my god, yes, You know, we have to go save Henry, save Because I think she actually said, our people Mm -hmm. at one point. That was a really awesome culmination of her journey since season three. And the the fiancé is going to be interesting because in that exact moment when she looked at the garment bag, you could almost feel the weight drop out of her because she realized... First of all, I just woke up from a curse remembering who I am. I've got a fiancé who I was under a curse with as a completely different personality, which is not me but is me, maybe part of me, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Oh, on top of that, I was a wicked witch who pretended to be my sister's love's ex-wife, Him had a child with him, killed multiple people, and I've got to tell my fiancé that at some point. So it was just like this whole (laughs) – that's shit? gonna kill the
5: mood one day, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really <laughs> seriously.
3: Because I was actually reading about that, you know, it, it, I, it was funny because that was my exact thought. Like, this is going to be a very interesting plot point for Zelina in the second half of this season. Because all that we've seen up until this point was a very haphazard, tragic rekindled romance with Hades, and he never really loved her. And so now we're going to potentially get to see Zelina having been in a reciprocal, happy, healthy relationship, and now there's just going to be this whole Herculean amount of shit to deal with on top of trying to save the world. So I loved it.
2: Anybody Mm -hmm. else? Thoughts on Zelina?
4: I'll just say that her I mean, Adam and Eddie built up Zelina's introduction as one of their favorite introductions, like, reintroduction sort of thing to the show ever. And I will say that it definitely did not, I mean, it lived, it did, I can't talk tonight, it definitely lived up to the hype. Um, I was not disappointed because her introduction was so great. I think I laughed more than I ever laughed. My cycling. I was like,
6: Yes.
4: I love Rebecca Maynard. And even though we only got a very short time with her being cursed, it was it was comedy gold. It was great. I love her so much. And that's really all I have to say, but I just wanted to say I loved her introduction to the show as Kelly. It was amazing.
2: I liked it, too. I love the big hair.
3: Yes. Yes.
5: Oh, my gosh.
2: Yes.
5: (laughs) Yes. My only question is, where is Robin now?
3: Traveling the world. In Phuket. Is Is she? Yeah, she comments that, yeah, because that was the reason that Cursed Persona was pissed at cursed Regina because Regina said oh don't go to college live your life and so now she's traveling with a backpack in Europe or Amsterdam somewhere
5: but -hmm. is that real or is that cursed because if she's not if Robin's not in Hyperion Heights when the curse is broken does she remember her non-cursed self
3: that's a good question we've never Mm -hmm. tested radius
5: or is that just part of the curse because I feel like if it wasn't part of the curse, then something hap- had to have happened to Robin to remove her from the picture, because she definitely got swept up in it, but where is she now?
3: Well, that also, was the I whole... I didn't know if that
5: uh, was real or not.
3: It, I think it is. Um, from what I can tell you, like my time researching paganism and spells and all that generally stuff like this the way that it's viewed is like spells are kind of like a web and so everyone under the impact of the spell is connected by a thread to the origin of the spell and so I would imagine if the curse is broken and she's in Amsterdam it would be broken for her out there but as far as her like leaving that was part of Victoria's mission to begin with and I think in the history I don't know if it was like real but at some point I think Zelina and Robin, in their cursed personas, were in Hyperion Heights. Yes, and, they mentioned that. Yeah, and after what happened, Zelina went to San Francisco, and Robin is traveling. So that definitely sounds like it was real.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll I, just, I didn't to... know if
5: they were throwing that.
2: Yeah, we might have to wait and see if, as far as, like, on Robin's side of things, if she really did leave, maybe she just ended up leaving... Uh, the um the leaving her house with her mom and like ended up just moving across the city and pretended that she traveled maybe she needed space maybe i guess we'll have to wait and see you know maybe, maybe
3: she, she felt well.
2: and she never told her mom
6: that that's, that could happen guys because they had that. a
2: rift as well
6: what do you guys think robin's curse name is going to be because they always have like fun puns and stuff i'm um, like huh miffy Oh, my friend brought up either brought up and I was thinking Raven because of birds.
4: Oh, that'd be cool. That would make sense.
5: I think it's gonna be Bunny Hood. That's gonna be (laughs) yes, I like
1: it. Yeah, I totally agree.
2: Yes, please. First name Bunny, middle name Hood. I like it.
3: Agatha. Yes.
2: Okay. Well, (laughs) there's that. So. A storyline that's very much adjacent to this is Jacinda and uh, Lucy. So we continue on where we left off. Uh, We have Lucy slipping into a coma because of the tear that Victoria used on Anastasia. And uh, they uh, end up calling Henry, and Henry takes a plane ride back so that he can uh, you know be there at the hospital and he ends up reading some of his book to Lucy and and he even starts saying you know I believe you know if if there could be this realm out there where I am your father then I believe I believe and he tries True Love's Kiss and it doesn't work and we get a little exposition from uh, Regina that both people have to believe for it to work, and uh, the sisters are toying with the idea of breaking the curse so that they can get magic, so that they can do something about it, but if they break the curse, obviously Henry dies. So, focusing on the Lucy, Jacinda, Henry side of things, what do we think of it? Jenna? Okay, um, I thought this was...
6: Okay, so I'm kind of... I'm kind of at a double-edged sword with it. On one hand, it was a really emotional moment between Henry and Lucy and Jacinda, and I think that from an that it does work on a large level. Like I really do like the idea of them reading of him reading it, and because of this loss of faith, Lucy can't return it. Even though Henry has faith, I guess I just feel like Henry's whole belief. Hasn't been brought back strong enough to make to make sense like that. It would work on his end. Like maybe I think maybe I think I needed to see more of a bond between Henry and Lucy. And up to this point, I don't feel like it's gotten that that much. So I guess I'm kind of like I guess I'm kind of wor- I guess like that respect. I didn't like it, but on its own, like okay, on its own scene as it's. O- As its own thing, the sum of its parts, I think the scene was fantastically... The scenes were fantastically done. Everything made a lot of sense. Katie, you
2: broke Jenna.
6: (laughs) I did, I'm sorry. You're not (laughs) forgiven. Anyway, I think that on its own the scene makes a lot of sense, but in the collective, looking at this from a serialized point, it feels too early, like... For, from season one, because this is obviously a parallel of season one, Emma had spent like 21 episodes with this kid. Their bonding was very deep. Henry and Lucy have bonded, but it hasn't been nearly that much. And yep. his faith, like his, Emma's faith had been challenged and spun upside down from not just Henry, but also Mary and Margaret and Regina and Archie and all the little people that she helped along the way. So it made that point really matter I feel like this is way too early like it's like I like it as a mid-season twist but I feel like for me to believe that Henry got to this point at this early in the season it's too much too soon so like I can see it failing but it's kind of like not failing for the right reasons like it should just should only just be failing because of Lucy's faultings, but I can't help but as a viewer feel that it's, felt it's also faulting on Henry's side, too. But again, by, its, by itself, and if I'm just taking these as, like, one-shots, the scene was fantastically done, and I really liked everybody's connection from um, Jacinda to Lucy to Henry, to even minor characters like Sabine and the points she makes. So, yeah. And I I feel for Henry's commitment, and I do like his bond with Lucy. I just feel like, in the context of a serialized point of view, it's too soon for to have this strong a reaction. Okay. I agree.
2: All right. So, okay, so Vinny is on that team. Katie, do you agree?
4: Yeah, I can get behind that. Mm
3: hmm. It felt unnecessary. It, It. I, I don't know. I just felt like it was too... It, like, I agree with Jenna that overall, like looking at it without analyzing it, it was beautifully acted, well executed. But mm-hmm. to me, it just kind of felt like a very cheap let's attempt to pull on the sentimental heartstrings or heart heartstrings look at me now i'm broken uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> heartstrings
3: you know of the, those of us who have been with the show since season 1 i was i'm very glad that it didn't wake her up but i don't know i agree i, I didn't really buy into it emotionally because henry hasn't known her long enough and he's been fighting The truth of what she told him, he's been fighting getting involved in this. He's started just now turning around to being okay being involved in it, to just suddenly be like, oh my god, I wish you were my daughter. That actually kind of came off as a little creepy to me, because he doesn't know her that well yet, unless we're supposed to believe like months have happened.
6: If I may, um, I know like a lot of you guys discussed so far having pacing issues. The more I think about it, like, I don't mind The the pacing issues in the past It's annoying, but this I kind of feel Like this is actually a major thing Because it ties more into the overall thematics Of, and the story Like the other things, that's just like Plot holes and stuff, it doesn't It's plot, and it doesn't necessarily matter Because of story, and in the story And themes of the grand team. But this is very deeply tied To the themes, and the story, and the characters So it kind of angers me a little bit more
3: I can get behind that, too. It's almost like it's an issue with the depth of a character's backstory and foundation emotionally. They just kind of cheapened it and fast-forwarded him to a place that really isn't logistically justified from what we've seen this season.
2: Exactly! Well, I'll say I kind of didn't mind it as much as the three of you. Like, I get it. I I get what all of you are saying. But... Maybe because it just was so well done, I'm kind of forgiving it. But I totally agree that we haven't seen them bond as much for him to sort of get to that point. And I think that's why I was cool with it not working, per se. I mean, obviously, the main reason Mm -hmm. is because uh, Lucy had lost her faith and her belief and that kind of thing. So, uh, That's 100% why it's not working. But I also feel like maybe even though Henry says he believes, he really wasn't at that point either to like truly believe. But I do like that, um, you know, whether whether we 100% agree that he should have um, acted the way that he did. I like that he did try the true love's kiss. Because maybe this is sort of like Henry slowly starting to believe. I'm trying to remember, what was Emma's first thing of belief. It wasn't in the season finale. Like, was there a point earlier in season one where Emma showed like a glimmer of maybe belief?
6: Yes. Uh,
5: They Mm
6: -hmm. didn't see Harry tomorrow and trying to have roots, maybe?
5: But also there was, uh, um, whenever in the Mad Hatter episode, Mm -hmm. when she was talking to Jefferson about his little girl, um, um, Grace? Mm -hmm. Or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, Grace. Whenever Henry, whenever she took Henry to school and he met, she saw Grace or something like that standing off to the side or something. And maybe she like looked at the book. There was a moment in there where she kind of, uh, where Jennifer Morrison portrayed it as Emma kind of going, wait a minute, huh. And then just kind of shrugging it off for a second. But that was one of the very first moments where she kind of wavered a bit in what she thought might be actual. Because I think the whole Jefferson thing was just so weird to her. Okay, Sorry, and that you was like...
6: Look after
2: that? that was like maybe around... Not around this time, because I, I think that would have been like maybe in like the second half of the season, but it was still like around-ish this point in season one. And so I can... I guess I can buy that Henry would maybe have a moment of like, could it be? Although maybe it was portrayed probably and not in the best way possible. Although it was acted... In a good way, if that makes any sense.
3: Well, hey, at least we got clarity on the books, though, if you noticed.
2: Yes. Although I'm still confused.
3: The uh, Well, I mean, I was, but I, I think it made sense now. The book that Lucy had in the season six finale was Henry's book, because that's what he was reading from, if I'm correct.
2: But where did the book that uh, Rapunzel had come from?
3: I, she must have stolen it from Henry or had it in safekeeping or something at some point. We still we'll don't know where that. that came from.
2: Yeah, we'll go with that. Why not? Alright, so let's talk about Weaver in this episode. We get a lot of Weaver. We get a lot of Weaver and, uh, like, Rumple with what he's trying to do. We get a little bit of Guardian play. We get a little bit of Rumple. With uh, Rogers and Tilly and the strange symbols, because uh, apparently the the symbol is now like graffiti art in uh, Hyperion Heights. And uh, Weaver warns that the coven basically has arrived, although he didn't really state it in that way to Rogers and Tilly. So, everything Weaver in this episode, uh, let's start off with, uh, you, Heather.
5: So, I'm totally in love with Weaver this whole season. Uh, I liked that as soon as he figured out, uh, in the last episode that Lucy was going to be the price of getting the Guardian with Belfry. As soon as he figured that out, the first thing he did in this episode is go to Victoria Belfry and say, um... You tricked me and tried to... And then he attempted to right that wrong. And for me, that is so unrumble still skin. That's so very different. And I'm I'm really fangirling over how excited I am to finally see this character in the place where I've wanted him to be since season one of the show.
2: Doing the right thing?
5: Doing the right thing. The good human thing, yes. But also, just because... And sorry, I'm going to go on change tangent for just a second. Just because... This season, it's so different with Rumpelstiltskin gets... Rumpelstiltskin, I'm broken too, dadgummit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's passing. It's
4: the curse. See, yeah, I cast a curse on
5: all of you. Dead
3: a dark curse.
2: Of language. <laughs>
3: of word salad.
5: <laughs> um, but I, I love that you we get this, you know, this Rumpelstiltskin, this weaver character who is very complex and interesting which normally in, in a new season of a new show, it would be a character that they drop in and, you know, it's given all of this background, but we've lived it through with him. So it means so much to see him going through and making good choices and then to see him finally get to go talk to Anastasia, Anastasia, wh- however we're supposed to be saying her name. Anna Banana. Not really sure. Anna Banana. That's what we're going to do. Anna go Banana. With. That's her. <laughs> um, new one. <laughs> <laughs> But I enjoyed seeing him also interact with Anastasia um, as the guardian because instead of just being, like, you know, very abrasive and I want what I want and you're going to give it to me, he's very calm and supportive of Anastasia trying not to freak her because He realizes, you know, she's got this immense power and he's very easygoing with her, but he does need that. He needs what he needs from her. He needs to get back to Belle, so... I loved Weaver. This entire this entire scene has just very made me very happy on that character's behalf, but especially in this episode and the last episode, which I wasn't here for.
2: Yes, I really liked everything uh, Rumple in the episode, which that's kind of weird to say because I haven't liked Rumple in a long time. But this <laughs> new sort of like redeemed Rumple is something that I'm here for and i'm really liking anastasia like i i like the actor i think she's doing a really great job of like playing sort of like this confused stranger in a strange land and oh sh- i have magic now uh type of character so major props to her and uh it's interesting because they haven't really said it in like these plain terms but basically, what Rumple wants to do is no longer be immortal, so that he can die and be with Belle in the afterlife, which I feel is very sort of um, Victorian, romantic, and and poetic, and uh, kind of creepy all at the same time.
6: Um, I la- what I like also is the continuation, like from the last episode. He's tried doing. He tried using um, like darker means of getting things done, it didn't work, so now he's really making a sincere effort to do the right thing. He's trying to make sure that um, Anna stays awake as she's bringing Lucy back, that like that. there's almost no harm done to anybody else, that the atmosphere is very safe, very protective. She lets, um, she lets Belfry come along while they're testing her, so it really, I'm with Heather. It feels like Heather's. It feels like Katie. Oh, it feels Katie. like well, he's
5: doing
6: a really good job to um, to take the high road and to really commit to, now to doing things the right way and on his own, no less, which is kind, which is really impressive. Like his, he's already growing a little bit stronger, and yeah, I just think. I just think that that's with comments. Also, um, like Jeff, I want to point out how Anna's character so far is really good. Um, How they how they make her very naive, but not stupid. Like she's just definitely a stranger in a strange land. But she's um, she's smart enough. She has the insight, of course, coming from her magic. And she and like it's the things that she knows. The thing that she things that she don't. She doesn't. Katie. They're very believable and so it makes that character very fleshed out and three dimensional, even though she's had so little screen time. So yeah, she's very impressive.
2: Nice. And so the final two characters that uh, we have to discuss are the two bitches. I mean witches. <laughs> the twitches? The twitches. Starting T and Tamara Maori. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Drizella and Gothel. Alright, so a lot happens with them. So Gothel initially tries to get to Anna. And uh, Anna's powers go crazy, not gonna lie. I love seeing Gothel being thrown across the
3: room. Yeah, it's amazing.
2: Uh, I just love when our evil people get hurt.
3: I loved Victoria getting thrown against the fence or the wall. Well, that was I did it just
2: because I'm very torn about uh, her and her loyalties and, and that kind of thing. Since she's yeah. Since she's shown goodness... I'm kind of, like, leaning towards Victoria slash Rapunzel slash Lady Tremaine slash Virginia Virginia. getting some sort of redemption. I feel like she will get redemption versus Drizella. TBH.
3: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, okay, so when all of this happens, like, all of them get knocked out. Uh, Gothel... Uh, Victoria and Weaver and as Anna sort of l- runs away she runs into Drizella and she's like, is that you? And she's like, yes. And so she gets these v- uh, whatever the hell, these um garlands, f- flowery garland cuffs uh, or bracelets on her that are supposed to dampen her powers and then once Drizella takes her uh, to a mysterious place we find out that these uh, bracelets are used to suck Anna's powers into Drizella. But <laughs> hashtag plot twist, uh, Gothel is actually doing the reverse. She's sucking all of Drizella's powers into Anna. And then she even tosses Drizella uh, after Drizella realizes the um, the whole... Uh, uh, what's that right word? No, I can't even think. It's all Katie's fault. Um, uh, the double cross. <laughs> it's, uh Gisella realizes the double cross. She gets tossed into a well where Victoria has already been tossed down there, and Victoria has an amazing life. She's like, Don't even look at me. I'm like
3: That was priceless.
2: Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> it was so good. And so apparently Because earlier in the episode, we saw uh, Anna with the whole dagger and, like, you know, I I guess Rumpel had been touring the world or the realms, like, trying to find the Guardian and the Guardian has to pick the right dagger and and, uh, Anna had picked the right dagger. And we know from the previous episode that Gothel is looking for the Guardian as well. So it seems as if uh, Gothel is going to use Anna for something. And she uh, takes her to this secret location... Where she shows her the hoods of the Coven of Eight. And uh, she tells Anna that the Coven of Eight are in Hyperion Heights. And uh, that they're going to be reunited at some point. She's got to find the Coven of Eight. So, let's break this down. Gothel, Drazella We can also talk about Anna since she's involved. And a little Victoria. So she threw the shade. Let's see. Uh, Jenna. What about you? You can go first.
6: Um, okay. Well, I think that this was a really cool build up for this, for the latter half of the season. I think that betrayal was so amazing. I didn't, I didn't see it coming until like maybe a couple of seconds before she revealed it. Like, okay, so that's what they're planning on doing. I'm betting that that's go because it's one upon a time and nothing ever works out the way you think it is. I think they're going to switch this around and yeah, I was right. I really am excited to see what kind of conversations Drizella and um lady Tr- and and belfry are gonna have in that well whole thing i it's just I feel like they're gonna just have a have a bloodbath of sorts, like blaming each other for their problems and it's either gonna be really petty and funny or really emotional kind of tear jerking either way I, that, I don't I, feel
2: like crying over Drizella.
6: Probably not, but it's but it's also kind of like now that we've seen her because of the last episode, I think that there is a lot of sympathy to her. I would, I would say that like they're kind of on an equally sympathetic light in some way because because we've also um wake up call to develop to develop um Drizella, and we also had the Halloween scenes in Hyperion Heights to kind of like show her to like give her a bit more development so i think we're gonna kind of see we're gonna i think that kind of puts them on an equally emotional playing field so when the inevitable good when the inevitable confrontation comes out of that i think we're gonna see something amazing and i think in a weird way that's kind of almost what i'm hyped most for in a way um but yeah the gothel anastasia stuff is interesting i just i'm a little confused as to why anastasia's trusting Gothel so much because it's like hey you just depowered my family my mother's down in that wishing well, wishing well whole thing and now you're walking me and I'm really scared of you part of me is almost thinking like she's the only reason she's not running is because of self preservation like yeah she has magic but Gothel is much it, Gothel's more experienced than her so it's like hey if I don't follow this crazy girl she's a crazy woman she's gonna kill me but it just feels weird how she's just so quiet and complacent in all of it. Not, like, evil, but just, like, a lot of that stuff that I was complimenting for her earlier in her scenes with Rumple and uh, Victoria aren't really there in this scene. Like, she's just, she's just quiet and just kind of going along with it where you'd expect to see a bit more of a protest. That's at least the character that I was led to believe was around in the other episodes. So yeah, that just kind of led me, left me a little confused. But of that, I just feel like they're doing a good job setting up these mysterious villains and kind of building up their menace. And so yeah, I'm all here for the coming events.
2: All right, what about everyone else?
5: I think I'm kind of on the opposite side of most most of you guys because I'm still pretty much on the side of I don't really like Belfry that much but I do love Drizella. Um, just because I feel like Belfry slash Tremaine and, and understanding that her everything that she's done is coming from a place of a lot of hurt and pain and all of that. But when she came back into her kids' lives, Giselle was still very young acted like a child. And I feel like Lady, uh, Lady Tremaine or Rapunzel, whatever we're calling her to, um, reacted in a very childish manner towards Drizella and just kind of harbored all of this ill feeling and hatred and all towards this kid that didn't really deserve it and that Drizella grew up with that. So I still kind of feel for Drizella. Like, yeah, she's crazy. She She's doing some bad stuff, but I feel like if, if one of the two of them is going to be redeemed, I would rather it be Drizella than Rapunzel just because that character, I feel like, Would have more to grow, if that makes sense.
3: I agree. Yeah, you're not alone in that. I absolutely love Drizella. Like, I I am a huge Adelaide Kane fan, and the way that she's played this character the entire season, keeping us guessing Mm -hmm. while at the same time, like, just cementing her bitchiness. I would use another word for it that's even more severe, but most people don't like it. But we can see how she just. Exactly like you just said, Heather. She was a child when all this happened, and she was unfairly persecuted. I'm kind of a mixture of both. Like I, Seeing the two of them at the bottom of this well, it's just, if you think about it, they've both now had refunds of everything that they planned and plotted, thought they were in charge of, completely stripped out from beneath them. And the funny thing was, when Gothel pushed her down the well, all I could think of was the joke I made a few episodes ago about making it rain. It, it, she did, <laughs> <Like, laughs> rain Dri- People. Yes, exactly. That's fine. <laughs> but you know, she t- the element. The element of surprise, I think these two characters are in a very vulnerable state now. The playing field has pretty much been leveled. They're both prisoners. I think they've both done a lot of things that are really reprehensible. But as we've seen, the very premise of Once Upon a Time is believing in the happy ending, believing that even the darkest characters like the Evil Queen, the Wicked Witch of the West, Rumpelstiltskin, can come full circle back to a happiness. I think that we're now gonna see the beginning of what is going to be a very tumultuous road towards that, but they're locked in a cylindrical well. They they can't escape each other. And I'm sure Gothel's gonna enjoy watching them tear into each other. But I'm personally hoping that even if one or the other isn't redeemed, that they at least have some emotional recompense for all the shit they've done to each other. Because I think kind of even in a lot of ways.
2: That's interesting. You know what? I think... I 100% believe Victoria will be redeemed. Uh, that's what I feel like.
0: Mm-hmm. Just because of yeah. like
2: what we saw, especially in the flashback of this episode, how she was on Team Hero and that kind of thing. I think they could redeem Drizella now, especially since she's powerless. You know, She doesn't have magic anymore. And I think that's a key in her redemption. Yep. So, Mm -hmm. they could go that route with Drizella as well, which might be interesting to see. See sort of like the family reuniting. What's fascinating to me about this realm, this magical forest as we're calling it, is the fact that no one there believes that happy endings can happen. Yeah. Ella doesn't believe in happy endings. Uh Rapunzel doesn't believe in happy endings. I mean, I guess, even though she hasn't really stated it, but I guess to an end, we can assume that uh, Drizella doesn't believe in happy endings.
3: Tiana had to go through hell. Like, everyone in this kingdom has, like, literally gone through a telenovela of their own.
6: Yeah. That is a superb use of telenovela.
3: <laughs> well, literally, like that's when I was thinking, as Jeff was just talking, like I was. Part of me was imagining this series, this episode, with like really bad dubbing, <laughs> and just like dramatic doors slamming and like Drizella hitting the ground and just a massive woof. But no, it's true. I, that's a really good point, Jeff. Like no, I hadn't thought about that before, but it's a very pessimistic kingdom. Mm-hmm.
2: It is. So it's gonna be. I think fascinating to watch some of them start to get a happy ending and to see if that at all changes them or if their their mindset sort of changing allow them to have a happy ending. I think that's gonna be really yeah. interesting to see in the next half of the season. Mother Gothel, I don't know if her character can be redeemed. She seems very dark one ish in a mm-hmm. sense. And, I really
4: don't think they will. Yeah, and, and
2: she's not like the Dark One-like Rumple. I mean, I guess we're going to have to wait and see if she gets some sort of sob story. But uh, she doesn't seem like the Rumple type of Dark One, where we see Rumple and, and he's a very different kind of man. He's a weak man, and that kind of thing. And he gets seduced by darkness, and, and then it just, you know, takes control. I don't know if they're going to go that route with Gothel... I've said this before, I don't know if it was about Gothel, um, but I do like the idea of uh, a Cruella type of character who's evil just to be evil. Mm-hmm. And if they yep. go that route with Gothel, I wouldn't mind it. Just no, because... I would actually
4: prefer it, to be honest.
3: Yeah. Thank you. They have dropped a little bit of info, nothing like about a specific person, but they have said something about Gothel's intent being targeted towards a specific person to be ending.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I read about that as well. I don't know what that means as far as what route that's going to go.
3: Because it was very vague and it didn't necessarily say she was coming from, because that's the thing, like Gothel has been putting me back and forth all season. Like, is she truly evil? Is she just really determined? Is she coming from a place of sorrow, tragedy, selfishness? What? It's still very much ambiguous as to like what's driving her because the character, mm-hmm. she's very devious, but not, she really hasn't been overly evil. If you think about it, she's just been manipulative. Mm-hmm.
2: And we really don't know what her plans are with this coven of 8. Like what exactly are they wanting to do? Cuz obviously the um the the dark curse wasn't something that was their idea per se.
3: No, it was It was Drizella something Drizella stole wanted it from Regina. Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: So So, what exactly are they trying to do? Who are these other five individuals? And uh, will Drizella need to be replaced? Is Anna the replacement for Drizella? Or is Anna just the guardian? And maybe if they're going to redeem Gothel, it's because she wants to get rid of the darkness. I'm still confused... About like what she said in the previous episode about like her search for the guardian and the darkness. Yeah, and she also mentioned that the coven, the cloaks, are the darkness or or something like that. She alluded to. So, I, I don't know what they're doing with Gothel now, because if she is the big bad and if she's sort of like the ringleader of this coven, what are, what is. Her end goal and does it align with the coven and uh it's going to be interesting to see who the other five are i hope that um like now that we're dealing with a coven of eight that that does like totally derail our main storyline because i feel like we're gonna have to get some sort of episode that explains how this coven aligned and uh, I hope that it somehow correlates with everything else that we've been seeing.
3: I just hope they don't copy from the Queens of Darkness, and that it involves Rumple Silskin. I would be really disappointed.
2: Yeah, I hope that that doesn't happen as well. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, she—if she has revenge against someone, it's like everyone has vengeance against Rumple Stiltskin.
3: <laughs> I almost want it to be something a little. And I don't want it to be searching... Regina or no, Zelena. exactly. I want it to be the Guardian is their driving purpose, maybe for a different reason than why the Dark One would be searching for it. Because it sounds like the Guardian is a potential supernatural conduit that can harness and hold, like a battery, massive amounts of energy. So... Maybe they're seeking ultimate power. I don't want them to be in any way related to Siltskin. I want them to have like a different agenda, but the same target, if that makes sense.
2: And why do they need to be in the land without magic?
3: Yeah. Or was that just something they didn't need, but they just adapted their plan to?
2: Yeah. I guess we will have to wait and see. We have several months to sort of uh, start thinking about uh, theories and that kind of thing. But, right now, it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. No repeats. And since I'm in a Bing mood, since it is the holiday season, since she missed a couple of episodes, Heather, you may go first.
1: Okay,
5: um, I never really thought I would say this, but <sighs> Zelena... It's gonna be my MVP. Oh, oh my
2: goodness. I, I think I, was... I just heard a, a blow dart with some poison
3: <laughs> get uh that's, in
2: that's, your that's direction, not a projectile
3: Heather. ejection I'm holding behind my back, it's just a straw for my soda. From Vinny. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Vinny.
5: <It> <laughs> <It's fine. No. laughs> Amazingly
3: enough, Zelina was not my choice for MVP this episode. <gasps> that is God, a shocker. What? Whoa. Whoa. I know, even I was shocked. <laughs>
5: I just, I've never, uh, I mean, I love Rebecca Mader, and I really like the character that she, I, I think Zelina's fun, but she's never been a character that I've really latched onto, but for her to make a decision to leave her fiancé, her life, even if it was a cursed life, to go back and help the people that she's come to find as a family, that's cool to me, and because of that, she gets MVP from me.
2: I like it, I can approve of that. Uh-huh. Alright, Jenna. We'll give. Uh, well, actually, no, Vinny. It wasn't his MVP. But uh, anyway, Jennifer. So Jenna, your MVP.
6: <laughs> I was about to say Don't we'll give Vinny a chance to think. want?
2: pardon. Well, no, I said your name first.
6: No, go ahead. It's fine.
2: I well, have the power, well, Jenna well, Pace. You. I've
3: got Understood.
6: backups. Thank you, Miss. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Um. Okay, I think for my MVP, I'm gonna go with Rumple. I think that his development was very. It, over the half-season, it's been very consistent, very interesting, and this episode was no exception. I liked seeing him take this gentler approach with finding the Guardian, really trying to do the least harm possible, following through on his decision to kind of let Rogers help by giving him a lot of information, well, giving him as much information as he can, considering the circumstances. So, I really... So, yeah, I think that it's genuinely that even though the performances, even though everything was small and subtle, also Rumple in the Enchanted Forest, I think that him being juicy again, woo, <laughs> uh, gives a lot of intrigue for the upcoming episodes, like, how did he get that way? What exactly is his relationship with Alice? And he's kind of, like, hugging the girls at the end of the, like, when the curse is taking them, so I feel like that side of things left uh, a lot of questions, so I'm kind of excited to see where those eight years have taken him, and... Also to see more of his development in Hyperion Heights with Rogers, Anastasia, even Tilly, because they're kind of interacting a little bit at the end of the episode. So, yeah, uh, go Rumpel Dash Weaver!
3: All right,
2: Vinny, your MVP, and why?
3: So, this may potentially sound like it contradicts the scene that we talked about earlier in the episode, but (laughs) I'll I'll explain myself. Henry is my MVP. What? Whoa. Yes. <laughs> <It took 80s>. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Shocker. And here's the reason why. As we've it was kind of in the back of my head and as we've talked about the episode and I thought back on a lot of things, even though I did not agree with the pacing of his declaration of love for Lucy, if you go back and you look at Henry Mills from day one, he has the heart of the truest believer and in this episode that actually shined through demonstrated by how quickly he ran back to a different city hundreds of miles away for someone that he just recently became involved with as friends potential romance and her daughter who he doesn't know that well but obviously senses you know some kind of attachment to he just, you know, blindly sat there to lend his support to these people that he's only just starting to know, but senses this belonging with. He let that feeling of connection, even though he can't explain it, shine through. So even though I didn't like the pacing, the actor himself, I think this is the first time for me that there was a full, if there was like a rating bar of like zero to 100%, this was 100% the legacy of Jared Gilmore showing up in Andrew Mm -hmm. West. I really, Mm -hmm. really, it it really resonated with me.
2: All right, then. A passionate plea from Vinnie Hatcher. I like it. Thank you. Katie, I could be mean and let you go last because you've given (laughs) everybody word salad. Whatever. (laughs) And everybody has secretly sent me messages on Facebook saying that you should go last. Sir Dwellard? What? I know, but I am
3: we I'm talked feeling
2: I'm feeling in the giving mood, Katie, so you may go Aww. next. You're MVP, am oh, So
4: thankful. Okay, well, I am going to go with Anastasia. I I really I didn't talk about her when you guys were talking about it. Should have, her have
2: her, had you,
4: you said... go after. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she's uh, she's
2: on my list, but uh, I have others. Katie, I'm prepared.
4: Okay, okay, good, good, good. Um, I really liked her. Um, just for all of the things that you guys were saying about her earlier, but um, I originally thought when we heard about Anastasia that she was just going to be you know in like one episode. We we're going to get a little flashback, and that was going to be it. But she's been in a couple episodes now and this one we got to see her a lot more and I just really like her um I'm really excited to see specifically where they go with her character um what she's gonna do with this magic is she going to you know like is she going to keep herself aligned with Gothel or um what's what's gonna happen with her character and I just really liked her in this episode um She's just a great character, and I always appreciate a character who I wasn't expecting much out of, but end up really liking. So my MVP goes to Anastasia.
2: All right. I'll be honest, uh, she was my top pick. But (laughs) the only reason she was my top pick, because I considered her a wild card, because I felt like the other one that was my topic would have been picked by someone. But nobody did. I'm surprised.
4: I think I know who it is, because I was going to pick this person, too.
2: Katie? Awesome. You, Me too. I think I know, too. You may, you may all play Psychic. You may all say it in 3, 2, 1.
4: Regina. <laughs> Regina. Oh,
2: wait. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> someone got really excited for Gothel. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yes. No, I'm going to go with Regina. I yeah. really liked Lana in the past, and I like Lana in the present. I like Regina and the difficult choice uh, that she had to make in the past. I mean, it was beautifully acted, uh, and uh, seeing sort of like Regina being, you know, tough, you know, going into uh, the witch's den was amazing to see. I really liked her scenes. With Zelina in the past and in the present. And uh, then, you know, watching uh, Zelina and Regina talking. And, like, Regina realizing what possibly has to happen, you know. They have to get their powers back. And if they do, Henry could die. Or if they don't do anything, Lucy could die. So I really, really liked Lana throughout the episode. So uh, I'm going to give my MVP to... Regina. Now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10 apples? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. Katie, you are first.
4: Yay! Okay, I am going to give this episode a 7. I'm going to give this episode, episode <sighs> Seven apples. I know. Um, I really had a lot of issues with the pacing. Um, there were some things that weren't explained that, you know, maybe they will explain in the future. But for now, it was a little confusing.
2: Katie um, wants all the answers.
4: I want all the answers now. No, no. It was just really <laughs> confusing to me, you know, like why Rumple was juicy. Woo! <sighs> All of a sudden. <laughs> uh, why is Lena had magic? You know, just things like that. But, I mean, we may very well get answers Why is Robin that. a
2: lesbian? <laughs>
4: <laughs> why is she 25 <laughs> all of a sudden? Um, but, I mean, those are things that they could very well answer in the future. And so I'm crossing my fingers for that. Um, but otherwise, I did enjoy this episode. I really was not expecting... Um, the whole witches thing, that came out of, that was a big plot twist because I, I mean, I was not expecting it in the least bit. Um, I really liked uh, Zelina's introduction. Uh, there were just, there were some really good moments in this episode that I really liked. And I liked everything mostly. There were, j- it just getting to the point. It was just very fast paced and chopped up weird. It was just, it was the pacing really threw me off, so that's why I'm giving it seven out of ten apples.
2: All right, so since we're starting low, might as well <laughs> stay low, Vinny. How would you rate this episode, <laughs> and why?
3: Well, oh, ye, a little <laughs> I actually would like to make a suggestion for a new ranking, kind of parallel to the Golden Apple, but in a different way. Oh,
6: the rotten apple. That
3: terrifies me. (laughs) I would like to suggest that we implement the poison apple.
6: What? And
3: here's why. If it's a zero? No, 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 not at all. (laughs) So if you look back at the legend of Snow White, the poison apple took her by surprise and put her to sleep to be woken up at a later time. This episode had pacing issues, it had lack of expedition and backstory, it could have used some more filling out in areas, but at the same time, we had amazing characters, we had strong performances, we had a lot of really good information, and we had a lot of seeds planted for later. So I personally was having a really hard time giving this like a numerical value between 1 and 10, because half of me is like, I really didn't like this, but I really love that. So I, I would like to offer up the suggestion of a poison apple when you're so conflicted on an episode that you can see potential for things later with the seeds being sown but right now you are kind of "Mm, i'm on the fence so i'm just putting myself to sleep i don't know it might not make any sense you may not see where i'm going with this but i feel like this episode was really strong in the sense of In and of itself, it had a lot of flaws, but there's a lot of potential things coming from this episode that are going to pay off later. And I think as a whole, the episode would not merit a low rating, but it also doesn't merit a very strong rating. So it's almost like, a, don't know, a stasis rating. I don't know. And Um, crickets.
2: What's the number? (laughs) <laughs> wow he
4: went to the great
3: no,
2: explanation <laughs> no that honestly, sounds like a six and a half
3: no and honestly if you force me if you like put the poison apple in front of me and made me eat it i would give it a nine.
2: Oh, all right get it look at oh. vinny <laughs> because that's the whole wow. thing. it, it
3: If that were ever to be used, I would feel like it's good for an episode that really is more of a foundation for more things to come. Kind of like those episodes where you're like, what's going on here? I'm really intrigued. I can't, I don't feel like I can judge this fairly right now because of the things that are like Anastasia, Gothel, the redemption of Drizella and Victoria, the, you know, Henry dying. There's so much that happened that it's just, it's is so really hard to sit there and say oh well hmm but if you force me i would give it a nine
2: okay i like it i do like the poisoned apple although it 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 does make it very difficult for me to explain how it is used but i'll work on that yes but um but that's a nine all right katie you're the russian judge so far
4: Uh, apparently i know (laughs)
3: Yes. I swear my rating was not out of spite towards Jeff saying that I am a regular low rater, I promise.
2: <laughs> okay, that's good. And um, for those out there that are learning German, the word katie means Russian judge. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah the word Jeff. German one oh one. Uh-huh. It
2: is. So in the Olympics, whenever there are judges, they're called katies. <laughs> Uh Uh-huh. All Alright, Heather Bishop, (laughs) your rating, and why?
5: I'm gonna be with Katie and give it a seven.
4: Oh my goodness, see, look at this.
3: Even after she infected you?
4: Maybe I cast the dark
3: curse and it's ratings.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just, I really liked the episode. It was good in a lot of ways, but there were pacing issues. Well, I did, I did. (laughs) But there were pacing issues, and there were a few plot holes, and a few—not um, plot holes, but just plot issues—that I that I had with it, and a few like magical MacGuffin moments that I just I couldn't get past. So it's got a seven. Sorry. I love Once a magical. Once upon a time.
2: I love a magical McMuffin.
5: Mc, McGuffin, MacGuffin. No, I know that's
2: <laughs> Magical what you said. McMuffin. Is <laughs> I uh, know, but when you say magical MacGuffin, you can choose magical
3: Mac Mac McMuffin. McMuffin.
5: I'll have that in a hash brown, please.
2: Yes. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Jenna?
6: Okay, so I'm going to be a little more optimistic, and I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I like um, it. So I'm going to sound a little unpopular here, because I think I've got it. I, I've, no, I definitely have a minority opinion here. Okay, well then I, I don't think, like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think when it comes to things like the story holes that everybody brought up, I'm kind of like, as far as the flashbacks, like... No shit, what do you think they're what do you think they're gonna be using for the flashbacks the next half season? I feel like a lot of that stuff's going to be explained like again, no duh. They they've already even alluded in interviews to things they're gonna be patching up, so I'm not so I'm not holding that stuff against the episode specifically. I think the pacing was weird and it definitely deserves points off of that. Um, I think them, I think a lot, I think some of the points thematically, I, I like, I care a lot about themes and story in episodes, and I really try to give that accordingly. I think that the, the episode had a bit of a drawback in the emotional center, as said for with the Henry Lucy scene, and that kind of lost it a bit of points, and again, the odd pacing. But other than that, I think a lot of the emotions are felt like, as everybody was saying earlier, like with something as might, as something that they only like, like, tapped upon, like, Robin and Alice, they already have so much chemistry, and the writing for them is already so cool and unique, and, like, things like that, that attribute to the, uh, to the performances, and the writing are really cool, like, it's just a series of pretty good on their own little moments, and I think that the stories that they, the ideas for stories that they brought up for the next season, like, how Alice and Robin met, um, the and they use tongue. During, the things that happened during that eight-year break, and even goes back about a year further because of Lucy's conception. Like, if we assume that very soon after the conclusion of Pretty in Blue, um, Jacinda and Henry did the do to make Lucy, um, oh. <laughs> then we kind of <laughs> wait. Did the what? <laughs> did the do? <laughs> I've Jenna, never you're... heard that
3: before. <laughs>
6: No. no, I've heard
2: it before, and uh, I w- Jenna, it, that was very erotic.
3: I was raised in the school of thought that like do was associated with doo doo. <laughs> like no, when I was do you do? I know, but when I was a doo. kid, they would say go to the bathroom and do the doo doo. <laughs> well, yes. no, I I just said did the do. No, <laughs> I know, I know, but I just instantly reverted to a two year old and was like, oh my
6: god, aw, talking about sex. Um, maybe. But anyways, I think I think the episode did do a lot of cool things. The introduction of Zelina and how they made Kelly this character who, like, not even halfway through the episode is kind of gone because the curse is taken off of Zelina is like developed and you oh, you kind of already feel for her and she's so three dimensional. Again, she's just this tiny character. They've made her they've made her so cool. Like this episode did a lot of things really well and really smart. Thematically and pacing, there were some problems, but other than that, I think that it was a great mid-season finale, and it opens a lot of great doors for the next half-season, both with their flashbacks and their present events. So, yep, 8 out of 10. You're up, Jeff. All right, so I agree
2: with someone.
4: Oh, we'll see. Not me. Or Heather. Of course not. Because we're not someone, we're someone's... We have each other. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Yay! You can be the new bunny hood. <laughs> <laughs> On the next role play episode, never happening. Sock!
2: Okay. No. no. Come to the eight side, Jeffrey. I am actually Jenna Pace. Woo! I am oh. Yeah. I am giving it an go. eight. I thought it was a decent episode. I liked it. There were some pacing issues and some weird timey wimey stuff in the flashback. But for the most part, the San Francisco slash Hyperion Heights stuff really was the saving grace of it. The flashbacks just gave me headaches because of all the questions that I had. That I do feel like they will answer at some point. I guess I... You know, it was just so jam-packed. I really wish that they would have started showing some of this stuff earlier. Not necessarily, like, earlier in the season, but, like, maybe an episode or two ago But, uh, you know, I get it, you know, they really wanted to explain the uh, new curse before the mid-season break, and so they just fit in a lot of information in the flashback, and that just made it seem like too much, period. But, and uh, I think they, uh,
3: they they commented on that, actually. Uh, I think Jen and I might have read the same review. Maybe that's why I was a little bit more generous with my rating. They have been using this first half kind of as a trial and error, or maybe we should say trial by error in some cases. Yeah. Uh, to discover what worked and what didn't work apparently they've been like auditing very closely to fan receptions you know in c- relation to ratings and feedback and and they're hoping that the the more like steady pacing that we saw in the f- flash forward or present day scenes that kind of solidity is going to or solidarity whatever the better word is is going to be there they're heading in that direction so I, i'm hoping that maybe cohesiveness will be a driving factor in the second half
2: which I look forward to 100 yes. percent. So uh, for all those reasons, uh, like I, I really did enjoy the episode, but uh, when I was sort of thinking of a rating, I just thought of eight. So I feel like eight is good. you know, if we would uh, you know convert that to a letter grade, like eighty percent is like a B. So I, I thought it was a decent episode, so I am giving it eight apples. So on that note, join us in March 2018 for a brand new installment of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
1: Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Mirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookeweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram. Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe.com/poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Storybrook Weekly Mirror and subscribe.
2: Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night and happy holidays.
1: Night, everyone.
4: Have a happy good holiday.
2: See you night, guys everyone. in March. That was beautiful. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in. We return on March fifth, twenty eighteen, with a brand new installment of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. Good night and happy holidays. <laughs>
0: Christmas, Feliz Navidad, Have a Very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Ho, 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 ho!